right, everybody, welcome back to another video here on Financial Friends. Thank you so much for tuning into This Week in Finance, a podcast I host weekly here on the channel to discuss everything that I found notable this week in finance. If you're new to Financial Friends as a whole, go ahead and smash that subscribe button to join the growing family of friends here on the channel. We are on the road to 1,000 subscribers. So you hitting that button helps us get one one thousandth of the way closer. So thank you very much. I do appreciate it. Without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into some of the news this week. Number one here on the ticker, we have millions of Californians getting a stimulus relief check or an inflation relief check among record high inflation. Now, I'm not here to bash. I am not here to get political, but I am here to discuss some of the absurdity that is um, these checks. Now, if you are in need of cash, I completely understand. The world is unruling and unforgiving, and there are a lot of people, quite frankly, in very tough situations. Nonetheless, this mathematically and economically just doesn't quite make sense. We are currently experiencing record high inflation numbers that is due to people spending a ton of money. Um, And what happens when you inject more money into the economy is you give people the access and capability to then purchase more stuff. Now, I'm not saying that people should go broke or go poor um, or struggle, but this definitely is from a policy perspective, from a government and political perspective, a little bit backwards um, in terms of fighting the problem. Uh, Governor Newsom here actually potentially making the problem worse. Um, by giving cash back into the hands of people to then spend and potentially now single-handedly this is not going to just crank inflation but technically speaking hypothetically and from an idea perspective this just doesn't seem right the more people spend the more inflation rises and then they'll kind of just be back where they started now again this in and of itself is not going to cause the problem nonetheless if you earn less than $75,000 and you're single you'll get 350 all of these numbers double if you're joint so if you are doubling that 7 or uh, 75,000 and you earn jointly $150,000 or less, you'll get 700, so on and so forth. The numbers are here on the screen, and you can go ahead and check them out. Now, speaking of inflation, we did see some pullback in certain aspects of the economy and uh, no pullback in headline inflation. So we did get some important statistics. This is uh, myself over on public. Go ahead and check out public. I post news here daily, talk about different concepts here daily, and I'm always in the feeds. Go ahead, check it out. Use my link down below in the description to get a free slice of a stock. So core personal consumption expenditures or core PCE, uh, this is the data that excludes food and energy, rose by 4.7%. However, this was um, down 0.2% year over year and beat the expectation of a 4.8% reading. We also had personal disposable income down 0.1% month over month and down 3.3% year over year. Spending adjusted for inflation actually fell on a month over month basis, but is still up 2.1% on a year over year basis. Personal savings rate went up 0.2% to a total of 5.4%. And headline inflation, which is the big number, uh, that still did increase. It rose 0.6% month over month, and year over year is still at 6.3%. 
Now, what does all of this mean? Um, this does mean we saw a small tick back in that, again, that personal consumption expenditures that excludes things like food and energy. The reason the Federal Reserve uses these numbers is because they feel they don't have the perfect capabilities to control energy and food costs. And for so for that reason, this is more of a real value that they can help control. We saw a small beat, very small beat. Um, on that 0.1%, and then again, down 0.2% year over year, it is something. It means that potentially what the Federal Reserve is working. We also see that small beat or small victory um, in personal disposable income declining. This isn't necessarily an amazing thing because it means people have less money, but to actually solve the problem of people having not enough to spend to drive up inflation... From a policy, again, perspective, this means that things are working. Now, spending adjusted for inflation did fall. Again, this hypothetically means the same thing. We have less cash. We're not able to spend as much. We're not going to pump that back into the economy by spending it and perpetuate the problem. Fell 0.4%, of course, adjusted for that inflation. Still is up year over year, though. We're still spending a lot of money. Um, and then the personal savings rate did rise 0.2%. This is also technically positive news. It means that people are holding on to more cash, not putting it back in the economy. However, again, that big number uh, rise and 0.6% in month over month headline inflation still very high at 6.3%. So again, um, these numbers aren't really perfect, but their preferred inflation measures did technically beat a little bit and they're doing the best they can. So we say. In other news, Airbnb made its party ban in listed houses on Airbnb permanent. I think this is a benefit to people who are listing their homes, knowing that they won't be destroyed. However, very clearly, there was probably a market for people not or listing their homes in expectation of them being absolutely destroyed by parties. And very clearly, there was a market here for consumers. Now, I didn't dig into numbers. I didn't feel or know or understand if this did or didn't play a dam or have a damper on Airbnb, but they did place this temporary ban back in 2019 after uh, terribly there was five people killed in a shooting at an Airbnb. Um, and so from that point forward, especially with the pandemic, there was not really a need for parties and they had since made it permanent. Um, it's a 44% year over year drop in the rate of those reports coming in that people were partying. Obviously, they took this as a sign that it was a good thing. Um, I'm not sure how it plays a role on the business as a whole, but it is some notable news with a company that really doesn't own anything, um, a very interesting concept that Airbnb has. Into some people or companies rather that do own things, Disney, they did extend Bob Chapek's CEO title contract for three more years. It was set to expire in February of 2023. That has since been extending or extended, pardon, unanimously until July of 2025. The board did feel that he did a good job. You can read this quote here. I think we've read it before. Disney was dealt a tough hand by the pandemic, yet with Bob at the helm, our businesses from parks to streaming not only weathered the storm, but emerged in a position of strength. So that was Susan Arnold quoting in regard to the CEO and CEO for the next uh, three years now, Bob Chapek. Now, there was a lot of distaste in the market uh, from this signing. A lot of people thought that Bob Chapek wasn't the person. This kind of stems from that idea that he didn't treat a lot of the issues that Disney dealt with properly. 
Obviously, coming off of Bob Iger, that transition not being super smooth, people not enjoying the way he dealt with the Florida government, with things the Florida government was doing. However, the board felt and unanimously felt that he was the best person to continue to run the company at this time. There has been some good things happening with Disney, their park reopening in Shanghai, um, their Disney Plus just continuing to boom. They're pumping out good content. They've had some pretty good movies. Obviously, that Pixar one, um, in terms of opening weekend, wasn't, wasn't too great. Nonetheless, Disney is continuing to chug along with CEO Bob Chapek at the helm for another three years. In the financial world, JP Morgan and Citigroup did not raise dividends when everybody else, seemingly everybody else, did. We had Bank of America raising dividend or quarterly dividend by 5%, Morgan Stanley by 11%, Wells Fargo by 20%, and Goldman Sachs, the biggest of all, by 25%. JP Morgan and Citigroup did not do that. Said Monday that increasingly stringent capital requirements were forcing them to keep that dividend unchanged. Some people taking a look at this saying that, oh, JP Morgan and Citigroup clearly see the inevitable recession coming, wanting to boost their balance sheet. This is something that Jamie Dimon has been saying. We've covered it here on This Week in Finance too. It was storm clouds and then it was a hurricane, and now it's not raising the dividend. So, there was some stress test placed on these banks by the Federal Reserve. Clearly, JP Morgan and Citigroup did find out they need to not do this. There was also some rumors potentially that JP Morgan would be suspending or cutting back on that stock buyback. For now, people within the company have been saying that we are not going to do that. That is not something that's happening. And there continues to have a board authorization for those buybacks. We will see, obviously, how that continues to play out. Many people, some people even within the public community stating that they feel that this is a good decision by JP Morgan to not raise this with the potential inevitable recession we've all been talking about coming. They feel that this actually just shows the company is making a good move and that they have a long-term approach really to this situation and that they're not so worried about the dividend as much as the future of the company. Some rumors were going around on Monday that Robinhood would be acquired by FTX. Robinhood shares shot up on that news. Um, and then FTX did come out later. I think it was late Monday or early Tuesday morning saying, yeah, no, we're not doing that. That was just a rumor. So this rumor stays a rumor. I'm not going to dive too deep into it because we got more news with Sam Bankman-Fried and FTX that they are closing in on a deal to buy BlockFi. This one hits home to me because I do have some of, or actually most of, my crypto at BlockFi, both Bitcoin and Ethereum over there. Now, this purchase being for $25 million, that is a 99% decline in the valuation of BlockFi. Absolutely insane. A ton has been going on in the crypto world with Sam Bankman-Fried Alameda Research is one of his companies lending credit to both BlockFi and Voyager. You can see that here in the thumbnail of this video. And FTX now is just going to acquire BlockFi instead. At one point, the company was valued at $4.8 billion, now being acquired potentially for $25 million. That is 4.8 with a B to 2.5 with an M. This is absolutely crazy, and I kind of want to raise an end-of-video question here. 
Not diving too, too much into this as it's not 100% finalized yet. My guess is um, this is probably gonna go through. However, there were some people over at BlockFi saying, nope, like this is rumor, yada, yada, whatever the case may be. We will see if this goes through probably tomorrow because the end of the quarter is tomorrow. And so they are rushing to, if this is gonna get done, to get this done. Now, my question here is this. You can see Sam Bankman freed through this thumbnail some of the companies that he has, or at least part ownership in. Voyager, Alameda Research, Robinhood, FTX, and he's extended lines of credit now to BlockFi in both Voyager. Is this some form of consolidation by a billionaire in this space? We've heard news before that Sam Bankman fried is a philanthropist and he's going to give away all of his money when he passes away. He wants to give away 99% of his wealth. He's really like this, this big figure in the space. People now comparing him, him to JP Morgan back in the day, saving the United States government from going under multiple times. Now, Sam Bingman fried stepping in to do the same exact thing with the crypto space. Is this some form of a bigger ploy? Is Sam Bingman fried collapsing the industry into his hands so he can do whatever he wants? Or is this consolidation just something that was inevitable because of the size and the explosion we saw within the space? I have no clue. Maybe Sam Bingman freed just a really, really, really good guy. He's bailing out some businesses and saying, hey, you're struggling. Let me take you under my wing. We'll do some good things together. I have absolutely no clue. I don't follow cryptocurrency too, too tightly. However, this is an interesting story, one I will keep my eye on. So that about wraps up this week in finance. I skipped over some pretty big stories. Um, there, I also did skip over a little bit on the spirit frontier JetBlue saga that continues to go on, kind of waiting until there's some definite news, a lot of back and forth, another canceled uh, shareholder meeting, a lot of Spirit just saying, hey, please accept this Frontier deal. They think it's better, yada, yada. We're going to go ahead and check in on that when it's over. Thank you very much for tuning in to This Week in Finance. I hope you did enjoy. I hope you learned something new, and I will see you all in the next one. Don't forget to subscribe and hit that like button as well. Take care.